So without further ado, um, many of you, I'm speaking directly to my audience, know that I don't really do an introduction. Uh, Mr. Carlwood from the Higher Side Chats is here himself. He doesn't really need much of one. With that being said, he gave me such a phenomenal introduction when he interviewed me that I thought I would return the favor. And I'd like to thank Camden for helping me put this together as well. So on Ode to the Ace of Alliteration, a conversational craftsman, the purveyor of polarizing perspectives, an unwavering usher of the unheard, the conspiracy king of San Diego, Greg Carlwood himself. Thank you very much, sir, for coming on. Yes, man. Great job. See, it is just that easy. It's <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just start off very simply. Uh, I was thinking this to be more of a, a conversation than an interview, so to speak. But what's it like being able to, over the years, interview and speak with people from all different spectrums, whether it's, you know, the occult, extraterrestrials? Is there anything that you have learned that is really that you've taken in personally? Because I'm sure some things go in one ear out the other. But is there anything consistently, I call them data points, any consistency you found that kind of brings things full circle for you? Well, I probably would say some of the magic stuff, because in the beginning, I was just pretty much narrowly focused on conspiracy. And of course, you start to hear conspiracies that involve the occult and things of an occult nature that they're doing. And then you start thinking, all right, well, if they're doing it, it must work. And so then mm -hmm. I thought, well, if it works, do they have a monopoly on it? You know, because there are other books and other teachers out there that say anyone can do this. And it's mostly about your state of mind, your consciousness. You know, there's a lot of things you can do uh, having well-defined goals. Some of it ends up getting pretty practical, uh, like the well-defined goals. But if you really think about it, a lot of people do not have well-defined goals. They're like, mm -hmm. I want to be rich or I want a different job. And I've kind of started to think about it as a conversation with the universe, like the universe or your higher self is there to help push you towards to manifest mm -hmm. the reality that you want, but you've got to speak to it in the right way. And a, a big part of, I think the potency of magic is figuring out how to speak to it the right way. And there's obviously all kinds of people out there that their whole focus is on intention statements and how to have more potent sigils. Right. And, you know, I just kind of, started to realize over time that I should pay a little less attention to what the elite might be doing in Masonic basements and more how I can use what I know to improve my own life. And I think that was kind of a transition that, that happened over the last 10 years of interviewing all kinds of people. And, you know, you can still do both, but I was right. definitely only doing one of those things in the beginning. Yeah. So did you did you feel held back by trying to pursue, you know, what the elites are doing compared to looking at people like yourself and myself, focusing more on what individuals are doing? Well, I think that's a, a good strategy, especially now. I mean, we have to know about the big campaign and everything, but I guess I just came to realize the machine always marches on. Uh, I guess I had this attitude of like, we will defeat it and then, and then it will just be gone. And it's like, well, look at the timeline really and how often is there some oppressive uh overarching empire it's pretty constant and maybe that is a mechanism in what reality is is that like every story needs a good villain and we have this huge uh, sauron like villain out there that just is kind of ruling everything that doesn't mean you can't carve out uh, a lot of joy and happiness in your bubble and so I think, yeah, it is better to focus on the positive things individuals are doing 
take what you like from people and be like, how do I, if I'm really a fan of this person because they're, they're very strong at X, Y, or Z, well, maybe that's just a, like an internal intuition that I should focus on making myself better in those areas too. And I think focusing on the self is probably the best in it. Jordan Peterson got a lot of problems with Jordan Peterson, but he does say a lot of good stuff too. And one of those yeah. is, you know, he tells people who are out there protesting and, and just constantly complaining and bitching. He's like, start with cleaning your room, like start with the inner, inner ring before you start thinking, if only I was a president, I could fix the world. Like, how about you fix your own bedroom first? Because it's a mess. So what makes you think you're ready? What makes you think you're equipped to change the world to your perfect utopia? And I think by really taking a step back and focusing on yourself, you can kind of make that utopia or at least let it bleed into reality. And then it matters a little bit less like what the outside world is doing and what the elite are doing. I used to think the Rockefellers and Rothschilds were purposely keeping me in some shitty job at GameStop and holding me back. And then once <laughs> I had success with the show, I'm like, oh, they don't really care about me, how uh, egotistical of me to even think they care. Yes, right. they, they did set up a structure where it's like salmon swimming upstream and the current is strong and it's difficult and not everybody makes it. And it is set up that way for a reason, but the way it's set up doesn't really have a whole lot to do with how I myself navigate. I just have to get a better roadmap and then adjust course in that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of the best approach. Conspiracy is valuable because you need to know it's all set up for you to fail. Like that's important. And that the conventional path of going to college and getting a degree and being $50,000 in debt and just being like, I'll figure it out because everybody says that's the only path to success. It's mm. good to see through that. It's good right. to see through the, the shallow, sad, vanilla sales pitch of suburban reality and has, do something much more interesting. Uh, so there is value in that, but it's really just so you can, the more information you have, the more you can fold in, the better you can navigate. Got you. So before we jump in and bef uh, into like, you know, the extraterrestrial stuff, because my my show is pr uh, primarily based on a lot of that. I'm sure my audience would love to hear your perspective before we jump into that, just to add to what you just said there, which was, by the way, thank you very much. What made you discuss, uh, realize and say to yourself many years ago, I want to start the show. I know we spoke about this pre-recording, but if you yeah. could just go over that again. And and so a lot of my audience says to me, Dave, you know, I want to start a show, but I just don't, you know, I'm too nervous. So what made you start it and what advice would you have for those? Well, I really started it as a Hail Mary throw at possibly finding some kind of success, how I measured it in my own head, but really financial success as well, because I had dropped out of college. I'd really limited my options down to building something of my own. I kind of knew that in the back of my head. I was like, okay, you pretty much cut off all the conventional paths to success. Mm -hmm. Well, not be a doctor or a lawyer or anything that requires a degree. And I was in the retail management pipeline. So I'd managed Sunglass Hut and Great American Cookie even, and uh, ultimately GameStop. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of at the end of this road. When you're in your 20s, actually seems like a pretty decent job and the paycheck seems pretty decent for someone in their 20s when most of your friends are are barely getting out of college and barely yeah. getting on their feet you're making two grand a month you're feeling all right forty five thousand a year right so, you know but then 
then you start to realize, oh, this isn't the kind of money where I could own a home. This isn't the kind of no. money where I could have yeah. a family, raise a kid. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm running a multi-million dollar store and they're paying you like poverty wages almost. So yeah. I was just like, from this point, I have to do something on my own. I wanted to be some kind of entertainer. I love stand up. I thought maybe that would be the path, but I also felt like it's a 10 year road of poverty. Then you don't even yep. get GameStop wages. And it seemed a little daunting in my situation getting into the 30s. So I don't know, I just transitioned to my second love, which really was conspiracy. I thought I could do it better than the options that were out there at the time, which 10 years ago was pretty much coast to coast AM and Alex Jones. Alex talks over everybody and George yeah, Norrie, yeah. the commercials really take you away from any kind of depth. So I thought I could probably do this better just by shutting up and not having commercials and letting the guests talk. So that was kind of the, the early model and I pretty much stuck to it. And obviously now there's just tons of shows and the podcasting world has exploded and it's a beautiful thing. But I really think that what's great about podcasting is you can reject the advertising model and do direct funding because I think that we're realizing that all the options we get for free, it's because they're propagandizing us like they're yeah. worth an idea in your head and that's what they think is worth giving it to you for free it's a manipulation you know mm -hmm. it's not out of the kindness of their heart it's manipulation or they're uh extracting your data and we all know that now so then it becomes okay well if you don't want to just be spoon-fed whatever's available from the corporate world then you have to step up and support the things that you want to exist in the world right, so right. you know i think that's where we are people are realizing it so I think it's a good time to be getting into podcasting, but you can really do it about anything you're interested in. If you just take your your primary interest, it doesn't have to be conspiracy, of course. You know that we, that might even be a little saturated right now, right. but it's also mentally exhausting. So maybe take something else that you like, and if you just dive in and focus on it, it'll pan out. You only need one thousand people to pay you. $50 a year. And now you make 50 grand a year with no boss, no alarm clock, doing what you want to do at your own pace. It's a beautiful thing. And the internet, we see people getting these millions of views, millions of views constantly, millions of subscribers. So do you think you can maybe carve out a thousand people that right. actually want to pay you $5 a month? Because I bet you a lot of people listening are not making that money. And that's a raise that'll always go up as long as you continue to do what you do and do it well. It should perpetually right, right. go up a lot more, a lot faster than your job's going to give you a raise. You know, that that's for sure. Two percent, five percent every other year or something. Like you could get ten percent a month. You know, right. it's like it's all about. It, it it feels better too to know that like I'm getting by on my own merit. Like the free market is deciding what I'm worth, rather rather than like some corporation that really wants to. If you're if they're paying you what your worth and they're not making money. So yeah. they have to pay you less than your worth so that they can extract some of that worth and make a profit off you. So you're saying in, in other words, crowdfunding because people can in theory, metaphorically vote with their wallets. If you're doing a good job, they'll subscribe or stay subscribed. If they think you're not, then, then they won't or what have you. Is that basically what you're saying? Basically what I'm saying. And awesome. I, I would rather have it be direct rather than say, hey, if you like me, go over to me undies and buy this, you know, pair of boxer briefs. It's like, okay, so for me to support you, I'm giving $40 to me undies and you're getting two. 
Yeah. I'm gonna just give you four dollars, and we just call it a day, and I don't have to hear this stupid <laughs> shit about me. Uh, that's kind of my attitude to that. And obviously, certain podcasts can get by a lot easier with ads. I, what I was gonna do, it was never gonna work. I never wanted it to work. There are people who do make it work. It's odd to see sometimes uh, people go from talking about stamps.com in one breath to, uh, you know, the Rockefeller Rothschild debt-based system of rule in the next breath. But (laughs) I couldn't feel, I couldn't really feel good about myself doing that because it would feel phony. Um, Mm. Each their own. We all got to carve out a path, but I think we are in a position where you can be a professional you in a way that you never could before. Whatever that means is what it means, but you can be a professional you and you don't really have to get involved in the uh, making corporations money. Align yourself right. with the good and, and just try to do your best. I, I really like the way you phrased that. Be, you can now be a professional you, and I, that's a great way of putting it. But Camden, please, brother. Well, yeah, you, uh, you recently on your show talked about your retention rate, right? And it really is like massive. So it, don't you think it kind of speaks to how people actually prefer that model massively over the ads every 20 minutes over the because it it feels more authentic you can see the passion when you interview someone you're well informed there's no breaks so i just think that you found the right model uh but i really wanted to ask was there a crucial moment you found that was there was there like you've talked about your own experiences with uh with psychedelics was it something like that or was it just one day you listened to this show like coast to coast and you were like i can do better well when i started the show it really was comedy right and there was a moment where you know i was interviewing local comedians and i just kind of was fresh into california period so to interview any comedians felt cool just to be involved then i started to realize you know i'm probably not going to be a comedian so it seems weird to be in these circles, I did kind of feel like a poser. And there was a particular day where uh, we had done mushrooms for Ari Shafir's Shroom Fest. And Ari Shafir is there, and Tony Hinchcliffe is there, a couple other comics. And the mushrooms, you know, sometimes we call them bad trips, but they end up being pretty great in the long run. They're just uncomfortable trips. Lesson trips. Exactly. And I had a big lesson trip where it just hit me like sitting in this room with these guys on mushrooms, like, this is not the road. You're kind of wasting your time right here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, thank you. I'm going to get out of here. And, uh, you know, me and my girlfriend, now wife, we left and I pretty much unloaded on her as like, you know, I'm just, this was a, this was not the right thing to be doing. And pretty much that caused me to pivot into conspiracy. And I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be the funniest thing in the world. If you think that it's got information in it, you can go two ways. You know, there's really, entertainment or information you can try Mm -hmm. to blend them but i really thought that uh the first interview i really tried to do in that style was michael tassarian and uh it went Mm -hmm. really really well and i was like you know on a personal level i'm more engaged with what happened on my show than like interviewing a few comedians and doing this audio show where we're playing guess romeo's race like just the lowest brow goofy comedy and it's just like, I would never re-listen to that. But when I interviewed Michael Zasarian, I wanted to re-listen to it a couple of times. And I was like, well, ding, 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 go with that. Yep. Go with that. And so, you know, there's a, there's plenty of podcasts that are four guys sitting around talking about the news this week. And mm-hmm. I, the mushrooms told me like, don't try to do that. 
go 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 this other way and so it was a i would say that was a major moment for sure that, that so, took that direction speaking of, of of mushrooms and psychedelics if you're comfortable to share i think my audience would eager be eager to know have you had any experiences on any type of psychedelics where you have whether you know it's within your own mind or not that's up for debate but where you have encountered uh, i guess we call esoteric beings uh, extraterrestrials whatever you want to name it yeah, actually, I've talked about it a lot, but there was a time uh, before I, I, I that morning I was an atheist. I woke up an atheist. I thought I was the smartest guy in the room. What you mm -hmm. see is what reality is and all this other bullshit is just, I don't know, uh, some, some kind of hallucinations or something. I thought I, I was in that camp because I, you know, I went to a private school that was in a conservative area. So the way to rebel against that was to be like, a liberal atheist in a private school walking around with Richard Dawkins book, God is a delusion. You can't really get in trouble for it. It's just a book. Hey, yeah, I, I was poking the bear. And, you know, really that's an operation that permeated through our entire American Western culture. And obviously we see where the worship of science gets us in a place yeah. like now. And, uh, uh, what was the point? What was I going on on with that? If you've had any encounters oh, with any esoteric, <laughs> no what a long road. What a long road I was taking to get there. But that morning, I definitely was an atheist, and uh, I had some buddies out from Missouri who came out to California to see me, and they wanted to try salvia because it was available at a local head shop, and it's it wasn't illegal. And so I was like, fine, let's do it. I expected it to be nothing, yeah, and yeah. after I smoked it, it was like boom, transported transported to uh, another place had no idea no concept of myself sitting in that chair anymore i was just a disembodied consciousness and the feelings that happened that were strange were this is completely natural this is actually a more truer version of myself than the shell i was just wearing you know 10 minutes ago like that's that's weird stuff but that those are feelings that a lot of people feel and they when they talk about their trips but then yeah i met two entities a male and female energy and they were both they both were like oh my god you're here how cool and the the male energy was way more like dude look at this check this out like it's good to see you again like uh just very very uh almost childlike but almost as this energy was all super positive and the female energy was a lot more uh cynical it was a bit like yeah it's good to see him but he's gonna be gone in like 10 minutes so why don't you just chill out stop <laughs> going right. crazy like yeah hi how you doing and you're gonna be gone so those were the energies and i was really just like absorbing it just kind of observing and absorbing and then i got distracted with uh my physical body and i kind of looked down i saw my friend shaking my physical body and then i had the thought oh man this probably looks quite scary to him down there mm -hmm. you know because i don't know what my physical body's doing i'm over here and I right. really did have the thought, I was like, well, I can go back and, and satisfy his fear, or I can just keep doing this because this is very strange and feels right. And of course, the drugs wear off, you end up back in your body. But that was the day I was like, okay, uh, I have to work out the fact that that atheism thing was a delusion. That is like the, the materialist mm -hmm. worldview, that is wrong. And uh, there are entities out there that exist without bodies you can uh, be a disembodied consciousness and so it was like i always liked paranormal but i just didn't take it seriously and so 
you know, it was just kind of fantasy. It was like, oh, wouldn't this be cool if that was true? You know, right. uh, but then after that day, that was transformative. It was definitely transformative. And so I started taking that stuff a lot more seriously. And that's also probably why I went down the magic road a little more seriously. Like, what can my consciousness do to manifest its reality? Gotcha. Can I ask what these beings look like? If you could describe them in a visual sense or... You know, the only visual that I can kind of still remember is like the the texture and shape of like a Jim Henson's Muppet. You know, Terrence okay. McKenna would say machine elves. And it's kind of like, well, I didn't see machine, but a elf is probably in the sphere of like what I saw. This kind of like weird looking creature. You know, a lot of Jim Henson's Muppets have like a big nose, like a big mm -hmm. front front section and the whole mouth and the nose kind of operate together almost like the way that the the way alec baldwin ends up looking in beetlejuice you know a way creepier version but this kind of like elongated thing that is the general shape of like what i saw it wasn't reptilian in any way it was just muppet is pretty much the best explanation and that's the other weird thing is a lot of the the paranormal ish experiences i've had they do not match with most things i've seen a weird cryptid looking creature one time when i was really young very briefly but it did not look like bigfoot it did not look like a dog man really any of these things people say they see and just like the psychedelics i hear people talking about all kinds of psychedelic trips i rarely hear them talk about salvia and that was the thing that got me there and then i saw these entities that really don't look like any other entities that i hear described so I am a man without a country in a lot of ways, it seems. But <laughs> it just makes me feel like there are no categories and, and language doesn't describe things the right way. And so we get into these, these kind of these streams of like, oh, well, dog man, because it's like our simple, stupid brain when we're not in the experience, that's the best language we have. When really a lot of people, what they saw, if you really press them, probably looked a little bit different than that. Yeah, mm, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Camden. Well, I was going to get into that. You kind of, it seems like I've had these experiences too, right? It seems more of an individual perspective. What you can perceive is kind of what you end up seeing, right? Um, but these out-of-body experiences, you've interviewed a couple people on them. Would you say that your take is that these out-of-body experiences, these realms you go to, is very much the same that you go to upon actual death? Or, or is there some weird... Uh, limbo place that these out-of-body experiences happen in a in a medium you know yeah it's a good question i tend to just try to i you know maybe it's my simple thinking but i say you know physical world and spirit world and i right. kind of think a lot of people say imaginative realm imaginal realm like i do think that is just the non-physical space and maybe it is layered maybe there are mm -hmm. obviously dimensions or, or layers to that onion but I think they're also similar compared to the physical reality that we can kind of just put it under an umbrella. Yeah. But I would say that what I felt like happened on Salvia to me that day is what happens when you die. It, okay. it just, it felt like that. It felt like, at least in the sense that when I die, I think I will immediately be like, oh, I'm just my consciousness now and this feels normal and I'm back to, to where I usually am and oh, there's my body, lifeless. Because yeah. that's my attitude. I was looking at my lifeless body kind of, and I did not care. I was just like, if that physical reality, that life that 
10 minutes ago, I thought was everything. If it went away and that was the end of that road, I really don't care. Right. I'm on this road now. And it's just, a, it's a very weird feeling. It's like trying to explain a certain color to a person who's never had eyesight. It's mm -hmm. like, how do you explain yellow? Right. There is no language for it. Like it's right. kind of bright. I don't know. Well, mustard's not, you know, right. it's like, it's really weird. So uh, it's just hard to describe, but that's why I think there is a lot of value in psychedelics. And I do think it's why they're illegal. And I think it's why we're never taught about meditation. We are so supposed to be rooted in this physical reality. You're supposed yeah. to be vested in your physical life. That's where the economy is. You know, that's where your job is. You're supposed to be vested in this and this only. And only by crafting a culture where people think death is the end of their existence can they get away with a lot of the things they get away with, especially totally. in the last year and a half. So I think there's a reason for all that. And that that also helped me come to, to terms with it because it was a, a paradigm busting experience. And so I was like, well, you know, me being conspiratorially minded, how does this work? Well, of course there's validity in it because you bought the lie that there wasn't, right. you know, and then I kind of framed it that way and a lot of things started to click. Uh, Camden, do you want to say something else? Well, no, I mean, yeah, you brought up good points. Things like uh, Ram Das brought LSD to Tibetan monks, right? And they took it and they, they viewed nothing different, right? You could really argue that these psychedelics react with your brain in a way that kind of shortcut connects you to that spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you die, a, a massive amount of DMT that occurs naturally is released in your brain, right? So you looking at your lifeless body but if there's no lifeless body to to go back to right you would stay in that realm i mean i really like that perspective it's much my own yeah awesome um okay so i just wanted to say so uh have you yourself sir have uh, had any experience with ufos a sighting anything of the kind not really not really maybe some some, some vague uh lights here and there that were a little unidentifiable i've been an, around people who like we would go camping and I would be asleep and I wake up in the morning and my two buddies would be like, dude, we stayed up till like five and we saw something crazy in the sky. Mm. I've been like in the sphere of it. I've also, because of the nature of what I do, like if a repairman comes to the house or I get engaged with a, a, someone in a conversation, they're always asking, what do you do? I say, I host a conspiracy podcast. And then they're like, oh dude, about five years ago, I saw this crazy thing hovering awesome. over the house, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, my, my grandfather was a pilot and on his deathbed, he was like, there's a lot more things flying up in the sky rather besides us. These kind of stories constantly, yeah. I get, I'm, it's more likely, I would say 70% of the time when I tell people I host a conspiracy podcast, their response is like with this little anecdote that they've been dying to tell someone about a friend or a family or their own past. And they just, it's like pours out of them. They, it's like, they're walking around someone tell me Please, they're open yeah, to right. paranormal so I can tell. And it's like, who knows how long people hold on to their stories sometimes without mm. feeling like they have a good outlet. It's crazy. If we were all more honest and open just about our own experiences, I think we'd feel like more validated that they are more common than we realize. And just like you were saying uh, with the, you know, Ram Dass bringing the LSD, and they didn't have an experience. It's like, yeah, they're just, that's what makes me think it's one big thing. Right. There's so many different ways to get there, but the descriptions of it are the same. Yep. So 
Right. So the reason why I ask is because I wanted to segue into this. And I think that a lot of people uh, really appreciate the interviews you give. But at the same time, uh, they also want to hear your personal perspective, too, if you'd be willing to share. So to what extent uh, and I can go on and on with the questions, but to what extent do you believe after, you know, interviewing and having these conversations with so many different people from, you know, uh, Donald Marshall to many others, what extent do you believe in the extraterrestrial phenomenon, if you will? Now, I, I know that's a bit of a vague question, but if we were to encompass it, do you subscribe to the, the alleged underground military bases? Do you subscribe to different species working with humans? Because I think this is one of the things people want to know uh, from your personal perspective. Right. Well, I definitely know that's a focus of your channel. And I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> have you on if I didn't think there was some merit to at least diving deep into that stuff. And and you're impressive, man. I don't know how you get to those levels that you do, but I was very thankful that you were willing to share that information uh, on my show. And so Thank I'm you. very open to it. My, I guess my attitude is I'm open to so many things, but I try not to get attached to any particular hypothesis that I can't really verify because I've been burned by my own mind in the past. Right. I've been too attached to an idea. And then I was confronted with new data and I had a, a hard time adopting it where now I would rather just like, coalesce new data on a whim, just be like, oh yeah, maybe that is true. I could see how it would be true. There are so many secrets, you know, to what degree, we don't know. It could be mm -hmm. anything. So we get glimpses and from those glimpses, you have to kind of extrapolate. And so I think the stuff that you talk about, it's like, of course it could be possible. And I also kind of am of the opinion more so now that ETs, extraterrestrials, I think they're more non-physical in general and you know it's crazy because if you saw a creature appear before you maybe you saw a craft appear before you and a creature got out of it it's mm. like well is that an alien because most travel if it was going to go from planet to planet would be some kind of like uh you know teleportation of some kind some kind of like you would have to go into a non-physical state most likely during some part of that process. Mm -hmm. So now when people describe what an angel is, now what are we doing? Because you know that an angel is a person who manifested out of nowhere. Well, that could be a technology. That could be a technology of a being that started on Sirius. So yeah. a lot of times our definitions for what these other intelligences are pretty much just come down to where are they from ultimately. Right. An angel would be from a higher realm, a being would be from a planet, but it's like, when it appears from our perspective on this planet, most likely it it kind of has a multidimensional quality to it. Maybe it even takes us to that imaginative mm. realm for a bit and downloads us with information and puts us back in almost the same place. Sometimes people aren't all that close to where they started. But yeah. when I, the researchers I like now are the ones who are doing really deep dives into the Bible. And that's so crazy because I, typically hate that kind of stuff and grew up in an environment where I didn't like it at all. But when you go deeper into angels, you realize, oh man, they're actually quite scary looking. The depictions of right. angels originally, they weren't like these saintly beings who came mm -hmm. down in robes. They were like monstrosities. Mm -hmm. And that sounds more like mother ayahuasca, like a giant snake creature. And so then you start thinking like, what is all this religion stuff about? And how it seems like they manipulate i mean manipulated it intentionally and got it to this weird place that it is but 
fundamentally, I think those were interactions with the same kinds of beings people are still having interactions with today. And when I think about the Pentagon disclosing all this stuff, it's like, you know, they have an angle. Like, why now? Right. They're going to try to control the narrative and spin it. So what are they saying? Well, they're focusing on these crafts. They're focusing on like our military might need a bigger budget to fight these crafts that we've found because there's no real wars going on right now in terms of, you know, that the U.S. can get involved in. So like maybe we need to play that Trump card, you know, that aliens are out there Trump card. I think that's a component to it. But they're definitely not talking about spiritual aspects. Right. And I think, you know, if you wanted to really play the long game, you would spend the 90s kind of perpetuating this materialism worldview and you would remove spirituality from the culture almost entirely, which they did. And then when that was complete, you would usher in something like, you know, a global vaccine campaign where no one asks a single question because we trust science and and you're dumb not to. If you don't trust science blindly, then you are a stupid person. It's mm. just a weird way to think, but they got us thinking that way. And then when that was complete, maybe the maybe the vaccine rollout and all the numbers and data there is a testament to are you ready to roll out your big card? Because you just want to make sure that most people are convinced of this paradigm, that it's all materialism and there is no spiritual world. So if you've gotten people convinced of that, then you can bring out the UFO stuff. Because what you don't want to open people up to is that they're powerful beings of consciousness, that they have control over their own reality, that there are multiple dimensions, and maybe your life isn't the end of your life and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're going to see a very careful framing around that, that it's just aliens from another planet, they're a threat, and consciousness isn't really going to enter the mainstream conversation very much if i had to guess because i think that's another road like psychedelics that leads us all to that that place of feeling empowered as individuals rather than uh just specks in a meaningless universe but do i think that the governments have worked with some of these beings absolutely i mean as you know it seems like there's a lot of stories about that of course some are going to be true and i even think that if they i think they know that there was a period in the ancient past where Maybe a lot of this technology and this communication was more in our faces. And a lot of these ancient writings, they talk about things being buried places. They talk about things being used and like, you know, decommissioned. And I think that a lot of our elite have tried to take that stuff very seriously and reverse engineer where they can access some of this technology. And it probably has resulted in communications from the other side, maybe some kind of like angelic being I'm actually not even convinced that AI isn't like, like a compute. So if you can contact beings with a piece mm -hmm. of plastic and a piece of cardboard from Parker Brothers, why couldn't you communicate with beings with a giant D-Wave computer? You know, you, they say artificial intelligence, but maybe it's a consciousness that exists in the waveform that is just taking shelter in your computer like a hermit crab picks a shell. And now it's there and it's just talking to you. I mean, that's why Gordy Rhodes and these guys say say things like worshiping at the altar of an alien god. I mean, no follow-up questions for the guy who said that. <laughs> like, and that's why they don't tell us that much. Because if you have this context that there's some kind of intelligence that's involved in the technology that you're working on in these deep projects, and you come out on the stage and you're like, man, all right, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna tell them. I'm going to tell him, okay, so it's like worshiping in the altar of an alien God. 
and they don't say anything, it's like, well, now I'm never going to bring that up again because these fucking idiots just stared at me slack jawed. No one cares. And and, And what I know is so far away from what these idiots can comprehend that why am I taking any more risks? I said what I said. Um, Elon Musk called it channeling, you know, like they're using the terms. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's how it all ties in. But I think the big deception is that they're just aliens from some other planet and we need to boost those military budgets. Maybe that's simplistic. It might get it might get more complex than that. But on a base level, that's probably how it's going to be spun. But I think I actually think angels might be a closer term than aliens to what people are actually experiencing. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, before we get to you, Camden, I just wanted to say, so in other words, part of what you're saying uh, is that you believe they will not introduce the, uh, you know, esoteric or spiritual or um, what was the word that you used? Uh, a conscious side of it, because the the access to it may in fact be uh, arguably accessible for everybody. And they don't want people accessing that ease of use sort of thing. So they're going to justify it as, you know, we should take this seriously now. It's technology. We don't know. It's a threat to us when, like you said, it's been happening for 80 plus years at the very least, just in, within modern history. Um, but a very black and white question. What do you think from the, uh, the COVID within that bill? I believe it's June 1st. Do you think it's going to be a disappointment in your opinion? Or you think something will, you know, seep through the cracks, if you will? Well, I do feel like it's already coming out a little bit. Like there's more and more news stories, I believe. So sometimes because I'm looking at so many alternative stuff, it's hard for me to remember, was this something that was actually on a mainstream network? But I think I saw one on a mainstream network of a floating pyramid. Yes. That was like, well, I can't believe you're showing that. I believe you would show the Tic Tac crafts. I'm, I'm not surprised you would show like Foo Fighter UFOs, maybe an orb of light, but I was like, wow, that is some crazy stuff to, to be showing. And if you read like really old texts, a lot of these crafts that these beings show up in are, they do defy logic like that. Yeah. What the hell was that thing? But I think it will probably be spun in a direction that is a deception. I just do not trust the Pentagon on anything. So yeah. if they're putting out a narrative through the mainstream media, it's going to be a false narrative. I And if I had to you know, say what I think it is, it's got to be the materialism thing, because I think all the esoteric roads lead to dangerous territory for their power. I mean, remote viewing, they suppressed remote viewing, even though it's been validated. We know remote viewing is real. What does that mean? You can see anything from your bedroom. You can see anything. What does that do to national security? What does that do to worldwide global secret (laughs) keeping? It's gone. So you can't let people know it's real. It's just too damn valuable. So it's not 100% and all that stuff, but there's ways to increase the potency. And if we had, first we'd have to acknowledge it was real as a culture, and then we could work on really increasing the potency, probably to a level that is infallible, I would say. If it was properly uh, understood by, and we had all that brain power that was, instead of trying to prove it wasn't real, just actually accepted it and just tried to strengthen it. And that's just one thing, you know, astral projection, all kinds of, I I really think the the real deal is manifestation and they do not want you to realize that you can create well-defined goals and move towards them in reality. That's very scary to them. They're the only ones who can do that. And so uh, I think that's going to be the way they frame it. I'm excited for it, period. I want the conversation to be had because I do think there's enough people 
it's just it's just better it's like if you had your choice of like okay so people think aliens aren't real at all or now because the news said they were real people think they're real it's a lot easier to get people to where i want them from that second position right i'm willing to let it go the way it goes just so someone can say dude i saw aliens on cnn i'd be like yeah let me tell you something that that i think about that you know and then i can kind of it's like hey look at those biblical stories and those depictions and how different are they really and people be like yeah you know what maybe maybe they've always been here but for some right. reason even though all that information's out there they need the news to tell them 